0: If you dare, Let's
3: go! this is the Lombardi line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on v
2: Lombardi line presented by Bet MGM. This is v the Esports Betting Network. I'm Patrick Maher, live from the v studios here at the South Point. There's Michael Lombardi, of course, in Jersey. The... Should I read into Eric Weddle needing, you know, Jordan Fuller, the safety, he's out. All of a sudden, they're going to get Eric Weddle, who hasn't played since 2019 in the NFL, the Rams, up to speed. He's 37 years old uh, for Monday night against Arizona. Let me just set up the number here. It's four. Uh, Open four hasn't really moved off four. I got DraftKings actually down to three and a half, but that's the only book I'm seeing uh, I, I don't know if it's worrisome, but uh, just throwing <laughs> in a 37-year-old at safety because you're, you're running out of players. This this is specific to their cap and how they've handled it. I mean, you know, they're top-heavy with players. Let's be fair. Yeah,
4: no doubt. I mean, now he's only on the practice squad, so they have to activate him. So they're giving themselves a chance to look at him to see before yeah. they just say, okay, you're going to play, right? So he's on their practice squad, and they can move him up or they could choose not to move him up. You know, they have uh, Blake Countess out there on the practice squad as well to see if they want to do something. Look, I I think this Ram team is is really betwixt and between. I mean, they made this huge trade for Stafford. Everybody loves Stafford's arm. But the question is, are they really significantly better than than golf? I mean, the the turnovers have just been coming at a rapid rate, and that's what's going to cause them. And then not being able to stop the Niners from going 90 yards, a defense that gave up a two and a three for a great pass rusher in Von Miller, who's not a great pass rusher anymore. Let's be candid. You know, the the great Aaron Donald, who's still great. And then, of course, Jalen Ramsey. So, You know, to me, they're vulnerable. They got beat in week four of the season handily by the Cardinals when they came over. They beat them in Arizona handily. I don't think the score was as close as really when you watch the tape. Mm. But this is going to – I mean, Stafford's going to have to play mistake-free. He never won a playoff game in his career. He's going to have to play mistake-free. He's going to have to be able to run the football, have some balance – and then make the plays that they have to make. And, I mean, last week they let one slip away, and thankfully now we don't have to look at, well, Sean McVay, whenever he's in the lead at halftime, he's going to go, you know, we've ended that, right? Now we'll see, you know, we've ended that conversation. So I I think this is going to be a game about Kyler Murray's ability to create plays with his arm, feet, and movement
2: and as you mentioned certainly worth noting stafford over his last what four has eight picks and you're always also going to get the stafford stats against teams with a winning record he's 11 and 71. Uh, that includes a one and nine mark against teams with 10 or more wins. Now, that is skewed because it's the Detroit Lions for the majority of that. But, I mean, there are two factors coming into this. The Cardinals may not be the same team we saw in the beginning of the season. Matthew Stafford may not be the same quarterback with a lot of history of not winning in these spots. So there's a lot that goes into this as far as storylines.
4: You know, I think the, the, the key here for the, for the Rams, if they're going to make any sustainable move towards hosting the super bowl in their city if in fact they could actually host it you know that we haven't even gotten there yet i mean what are the odds on it's not being played in 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 california Mm. i would take the i would take the i would take the field over that just right now but anyway let's go back to the rams i mean the rams are 20 25th in yards rushing they're 25th in yards per attempt they have to run the football and when they do that you know, and take the ball a little bit away from Stafford and not ask him to do as much. I mean, against Seattle, they ran for 209 yards, you know, and excuse me, 123 yards. You know, against Minnesota, they ran for a buck 59. In the last two weeks that have been very marginal, they have struggled to run the football and they've turned it over five times. Fortunately, they've created four turnovers with their defense. But this defense, this is important this defense isn't as good as the names that are associated with it they're 21st they're 21st in 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 third down defense now they play good in the red zone they're the eighth best team in the red zone situational football right they're really good in that area but when you watch this team they are not great at being able to to control an offense for 60 minutes
2: you know and also, just the one thing, just to flip and go to Arizona, they just have not been the same offensive team without Hopkins. I mean, no I guess doubt. you could say they put up 30 against Seattle, but one of those was a defensive score, a little misleading. Two of them were, Patrick. Two, two of okay. them, they got the ball in the four. That's right,
4: you the know, they interception. Got 30, they got the interception down to the they, first they spotted it at the four, then they moved it to the two. So, yeah, I mean, look, this is – I think that, that, that you're right. You, you know, Hopkins is, was there, Hopkins was always covered, but he was their safety valve, you know, and he was able to make plays. And I think if you go back and watch that Ram-Cardinal game, there were throws. You know, the Cardinals were two-and-a-half point favorite in the game. There were throws early in that game that Mary missed. He yeah. didn't play well. He didn't play well. They only had 18 first downs in the game. He, he didn't play well. You know, they gained a bunch of yards, but the, the, they were really, when you really boil it down, the Rams scored 14 points in the fourth quarter. The Rams scored 27 points in the second and the third quarter. That separated the game. And everything else that happened, everything else that happened after halftime, it's a 13-13 game at the half. The second, the third quarter, the, they opened the game wide open.
1: Yeah.
2: it, And also the one-and-four stretch for the Cards – they're giving up – they're allowing 354 yards on offense to the other team. So it, it, it's, it's – this one's fascinating because you could you – could, if you wanted to back the cards, there's plenty of reasons, including the dominance earlier in the year in L.A. And if you wanted to back the Rams, you could go – you could point to the Cardinals kind of trending the other way as well. This is a fascinating matchup.
4: Right, and I think the Rams – the Rams have to take a page out of Seattle's playbook which I think they will. Seattle ran for 202 yards against this Cardinals. You know, the Colts ran for a buck 20. You know, teams have been able to run the football against them. Now, when they played them the first time, the second time, they only ran for 89 yards against them. They're going to have to run the ball. They're going to have to be able to utilize that running game of the Rams. Sonny Michelle, Cam, Cam, you know, whomever they use to, to, to best run the football, they've got to. Cam Sims, I mean they've got to be able to because I think they have to take some of the burden off of Stafford and limit his mistakes. I mean they've got to limit his mistakes. there's no denying that
2: It is weird they're both obviously they split the season series with both wins coming on on the road. The Cardinals have been a road team. I don't. Can you point to anything? Obviously, they don't have a huge home field advantage there in Arizona. I mean, it's a fervent fan base, but it's not a crazy home field advantage. You don't think of that stadium as a home yeah. field advantage. The, the reason for them playing well on the road, is there anything you can point to?
4: Well, because I think a lot of times on the road, when, he would, when they were playing well on the road, he would get them out of trouble. He would run the ball. He would run the ball and he would create a play and keep drives alive. What keeps the crowd eating pretzels and drinking beer? First downs. First downs. You know, first downs. And so, when you, you know, when you look at their first downs, you know, over the course of their time, I mean, you know, they they really have been limited over the last, like, last – the best – they had 19 first downs against, at home against the, the 49ers. You know, so – I mean, I, I just think to me, I, I think to me, when you, when you break down, it really comes back to Murray. It really comes back to Murray. And it comes back to Murray's ability to make plays. And it also comes right back to Matthew Stafford's 29th, 27th in the National Football League and throwing the most interceptions. That's the game.
2: You mentioned the – Super man, the, the NFL would be so just downtrodden. If they didn't play the game in L.A., they've been building towards this with SoFi looking to show it off on a huge stage like the Super Bowl. Um, Are you hearing anything more about potentially moving it? We know Jerry World and Arlington is in the mix if they have to move it.
4: Well, I, I just taken the temperatures of California, you know, and and how challenging it is there with all the covid cases and and knowing will the governor close down the state. You know, I think there's a lot of that conversation going on everywhere, because, as you've seen, there's been because of the variant, there's been such a such a concern. So, you know, the NFL, the NFL has to make it's part of their business. They have to make contingency plans. They have to. You know, and whatever happens this year, the Rams will get us if they, if it just does it. And I hope it does not I'm not rooting for that at all. But I I think the NFL has to make contingency plans as they move forward.
2: Yeah, no, nope.
4: because remember, Patrick. I mean, the Forty ers had to leave the state last year. They couldn't stay in the state. Right.
2: Played in Arizona, didn't they? Yeah, they played Dunham. right.
4: They had to go move their games there because Santa Clara County wouldn't let them play. So counties affected. Los Angeles County. Will they Will they do something? you know coach rav a good friend of mine he lives in los angeles he does he can't he doesn't even leave the house now he's 84 years old he's got to protect himself but you know it's 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 challenging in california as you probably know from talking yeah. to all your friends yeah
2: absolutely it's it's a, it's a mess to put it kindly um and also you know we got the super bowl the super bowl in 2024 here in las vegas that will be Wow, <laughs> you you're going to have to make the trip out for it i hope that is going to be wild. it's not wild. like the
4: All Star game, oh my God, that's going to be insane. I bet you can't get a room booked for it anyway. Could you ma you know, I like two rooms in 2024, you know, for the whole month. Oh my gosh. That can you is, imagine that?
2: They're, they're <laughs> were there those times. Those tickets
4: will be yeah. high priced.
2: Were, were there times, you know, I'm thinking Miami. W- would, would you guys have conversations in the front office, like with the Patriots in all those years, where it's certain locales you're a little bit more concerned about?
4: No, I mean because the, you do such a good job like we when we played the car, when we played in Arizona and Glendale, we stayed it, it, we stayed way out of town on some, you know, way out. I mean it was an hour ride to the stadium. So you can you can really isolate the players and focus on the game at hand. You know, where it you know, it, when you're playing in New Orleans, you got to move it because everything's so close there. You know, that's an issue because there's so much to do in that town and and it's the perfect setup because you really don't need a car. You can just move around the city so easily.
2: Do you have a favorite, just a personal favorite as far as locales in the past for Super Bowls? Oh, I think the best
4: Super Bowls in New Orleans for that reason alone, because you can move around and you don't have to worry about getting a car or having somebody take you here. You just start walking.
2: <laughs> New Orleans is... Just start is, walking. Yeah, it's like... To me, there's two. I always say New Orleans and San Francisco. They're, out, they're their own countries, right? New Orleans yeah. is it's it's his own vibe. But
4: San Francisco, you're not in the city, you're down in Santa Clara, you're, you're yeah, yeah, you yeah. got to get on it's the true. you gotta get on the freeways. You know, New Orleans it's just you know, you're a drunken stupor, you just walk back. You get a D you get a DWI drunk walking <laughs> <Yeah>. ticket.
2: <laughs> walking through a parade there. It, it's it's a great city. We come back, Amal Shah is gonna join us here on the Lombard line.
3: To the Lombardi line on vsin featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher.
2: Okay, we've got the prop tracker now available vsin.com for you to keep up with the key NFL props. Head over to vsin.com right now. Get current odds as well as the movement each week to follow the trends. Find the best value. All right, so whether you're tracking MVP, head coach, rookie of the year, or more, it's all there. And while you're there, check out the betting splits, which Of course, you got the key trends, matchup data for every game. It's vcin.com slash NFL. You're not going to find a better NFL tracker than over at vcin.com slash NFL. Okay, Michael Lombardi there in Jersey. I'm Patrick Maher here in Vegas. We go from the South Point over. Let's get the drum roll ready. South Point to Circa. Where one half of odds on is going to join us now, Amal Shaw. And as we say hi to Amal, before we get into Wildcard Weekend, I'm just curious as we reflect back on Sunday evening. You are an outside the box thinker. Do you have thoughts on Brandon Staley and how
3: he mm, navigated that ball game? Well, I don't think that timeout affected what the Raiders were going to do. I think the one thing that gets completely overlooked is the Raiders would have had to play Kansas City if there's a tie. Wouldn't you rather face the Cincinnati Bengals than a team that's waxed you twice? I thought they were going to try to take a shot from 60 yards. You know, some of the decision making we've seen out of the Raiders all season long shouldn't surprise you if they would have tried one from 70. I mean, especially with Carlson in that stadium.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the the thing I thought about the long field goals is if it gets blocked and they pick it up and return it, you know, yeah. you lo- you know, you lose it and then now you're out. You know, especially those long ones, Carlson's so good. Those long ones tend to have a hard to, you know, you got to bang them, you know, and not get as much trajectory and, you know, anything could happen in that situation. So I was figuring they wouldn't go for a long field goal
3: just because of that. But Michael, that's a great that's a great point, but I would have said if I'm if I'm the uh, Raiders head coach, uh, I would just say, well, you know, Nick Saban tried the same thing. I don't see you guys uh, barbecuing him for the kick six.
4: Yeah. No, I, I mean, I think he'd go either way. I, I'm with you. I, I think to me, I think Staley, and, and we've belabored on this for I think he tried to get his defense set to yeah. get it organized and coordinated, and the Raiders fully expected to gain one yard, and they didn't. And <laughs> they didn't. Yeah. And I think that was, that's the essence of the game. I think that's what it was. I mean, I, the, the, the complete lack of defensive execution by Staley's command is ultimately what did their season in.
3: I, I thought they lost the game in the second quarter on third down and 23. If they
4: yeah, get no a stop there, At they the don't get. The half, They get seven points. Yeah,
3: of course. Because, of course. Well, no. Forget about that. They get the ball back with enough time to move down the ball, uh, ball down the field with the way Herbert was playing. You get two, uh, three points, potentially six. And then uh, giving up the P.I. for the touchdown. You get the ball to start the second half. I thought they had a great opportunity to pull away. And you know the one thing, Michael, that drives me nuts in in the punt return game? This is one thing I like about Ryan Day's team. They always fair catch the ball in punt returns. Your job as a punt returner is just to fair catch the ball. We're not expecting you to make yards. What's the average return in the NFL? Three, four yards on a punt return? Fair catch the ball. Don't even try anything heroic, especially when you got Justin Herbert there. That fumble early in the game cost them immensely. I thought those were the two plays that did the Chargers in. had nothing to do with what happened in uh, overtime, in my opinion.
2: Also, Michael, you're always saying risk-reward. I, I always, the yep.
3: running into the kicker on these punts, like, is it really, you know,
2: given up the downs, giving up the set of downs, uh, it seems like it happens so frequently. I know this is left field, but you see running into the kicker, which then turns into an automatic first down the other way. Is the risk-reward, like, how would you coach special teams in that regard?
4: Well, I think it's all about, you know, if you know it's that if you know that, that they have it's it's fourth and eight, and if it's called running in, they're not going to get the first down. I think you could be a little bit more aggressive, and you got to coach your players to so not rough. You got to just do a good job of coaching it. I think this leads into the conversation I'd love to have with them all. The game that worries me the most on the board as a Cowboy fan is Zerline on 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 Saturday night. Mm. I mean, that that's the one that worries me. He's missed five field goals Saturday afternoon. I'm sorry. He's missed five extra points. He's missed a boatload of field goals. I have no confidence if if, if I'm recommending Dallas and laying the three that this guy is going to be able to make a clutch kick when it really matters. And, you know, John – Fossil, the, the, the special teams coach, who I think at times needs to be corralled and not as aggressive, fitting into this conversation. I think sometimes he takes way too many risks without the reward. You'll see a, he'll probably see a fake punt this week from the Cowboys. That's, that's Fossil. going to He'll have one in the game plan, I promise you. And I think that's my concern. What do you think, Amal?
3: I completely agree with you, and you make a couple of good points on Fossil. You see so many times they go for unnecessary risk, and I, I love the point Patrick brought up about risk versus reward. Patrick, you and I have talked about this off-air. Everything for me is risk versus reward. Mm-hmm. What's your positive return compared to your negative? And in so many situations, not worth it. I, I, Michael, the one thing I would point to on special teams before we get into the game real quick is, I, I'm half the time I'm keeping my base defense out there. I don't want anybody ever running a fake on me. I just want my guy back there to fair catch it, and uh, we're going to have an 45-yard differential because that's the biggest play in football if you fumble the ball and somebody else recovers it. That's why I always say with seven minutes to go, if the other team is punting and you're up by two scores, don't even send anybody back to receive the punt. Just keep a base defense in there so nobody can run a fake, and you, even if you give up 20 yards on a bounce, I don't care, but I would rather have possession of the ball. But in terms of this matchup, guys, I think the 49ers are being completely overlooked. My only negative with San Francisco is Jimmy Garoppolo's inconsistency. I think you guys will agree with me. Debo Samuel is a top three playmaker in this league. George Kittle's 1A or 1B at tight end, and this team has won seven out of nine games. You look at the two losses. It came down to a few yards against the Seahawks. A game against the Tennessee Titans. If Garoppolo doesn't throw that early first-half interception in the end zone, they probably walk out of Nashville with a victory, and they've won eight out of nine. I think people are overlooking how well this team is playing, and Debo, Debo Samuel runs Like, you know, he is being chased on every play by more than 11 guys. I mean, he's trying to get away from everybody. He's unbelievably impressive. I I like the way the Niners are playing. I would not lay the three with uh, Dallas here, Michael. I like the 49ers catching three, and I think they've got a great shot for the outright win. You
4: know, I I think Garoppolo didn't play great in the Tennessee game. We know he had a bad finger, but they they lost that Tennessee game because they couldn't stop third and long. I mean, that's, that's why they lost that game. Third and 20, third and 18, third and 12. You know, who name it. They just couldn't stop it. You know, and that killed them. And that makes me, that makes me worry. If they can't stop Tennessee's spread passing attack, can they stop Dallas's spread passing attack on first and second down? That's where I'm having a hard time getting over. I, I'm with you. I love Shanahan as a dog. I love that. I love the fact that they can run the football, control the clock. I love Samuel. Not only is he, is he, is he a great runner, he's a hard to tackle. You know, in this time of the year, hard to tackle. Josh Allen, hard to tackle. Samuel, hard to tackle. Those guys play a huge role because everybody's good. Everybody will rally around. But I'm having a hard time. If you can't stop Brian Tannehill on 3rd and 15, 3rd and 18, you can't stop him on 3rd and 11, and all it's going to take is two or three of those, on a, and you're off the field, how are you going to stop? How are you going to stop this Cowboy offense?
3: Well, I think you make a couple of good points there. And, Patrick, I mean, to me, I feel like that game is a bit of an outlier. I thought this team's done an effective enough job when you look at the stretch over the last nine to ten games in terms of how they played. The, we were talking Raiders a little bit
2: earlier. So, Vinny mentioned Amal, open six and a half, kind of down to a dead number, of five and a half here. That's where we sit mostly, Vegas at Cincy. Do you have an early read on this one?
3: Well, I'm looking towards Cincinnati here. Give the Raiders a ton of credit for the way they fought in these games against the Colts, against the Chargers. But it was disappointed with the Raiders' defense with the lead that they had in that game uh, in terms of how they finished out. But I think this Bengals team is one that's kind of gone a little bit overlooked, what they've been able to do in the last, you know, take away the game against the Ravens, excuse me, against the Browns didn't mean as much. But Burrow and company are playing excellent. I I just think the Raiders' defense could get exposed in this game. Not thrilled about five and a half in a playoff game, but I think Cincinnati marches on.
4: Have you got yeah, I mean... Go ahead, Michael. Go, go ahead. Uh, no, I, I think, you know, there's part of me that want to take the Raiders, and then there's some of these games I watch, and it just makes it hard for me to to think that they can score with the Bengals. You know, it's, can they match it? You know, they, they just don't seem... Now, Waller back helps. Waller was good in the first game. You know, they got in that 3-by-1 set that we're all used to with Travis Kelsey, and they worked Waller on that side. I think the Bengals will have an answer for that.
2: Have you... Um, now, not a native Las Vegasian. I don't know how you say that, Amal, but have you gotten caught up in a Raider f- fever here in town or no? Why
3: don't you take a wild guess, buddy?
2: <laughs> I love when you said earlier that everything's risk-reward. Not just betting, but if, if Amal's about to have a conversation with you, his his brain is going into <laughs> risk-reward, and if it's not worth is it, worth it my he will time. walk away from the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, about, he's about efficiency <laughs> and risk-reward. <laughs>
3: That's so true. By the way, can I give a shout-out to Michael Lombardi's Philadelphia 76ers and Daryl Morey for uh, Executive of the Year in the NBA? I love the way they've handled the Ben Simmons situation. Are you kidding me? Most teams would acquiesce and trade him for a bag of practice balls. Instead, they said, listen, we're not giving him up for a bag of dirt. you got to come with a real deal. If not, we're sitting with this guy. And, Ben, you can sit around, whether it be in Melbourne, Sydney, or here. You're not playing until you show up and show you can give an effort.
4: Well, I mean, look, yeah. Can you take Tobias Harris with you? I mean, come on.
2: <laughs> and by the hey, listen. And, t- and just a clarification: he's a Miami Heat fan now, Amal Shaw. Yeah,
4: and, and I would say the two of the worst signings in the history of the NBA, Elton Brand's got to take responsibility for it. Tobias Harris contract and Al Horford. You can't have a worse off season than than Elton Brand had that year. You can't. It's impossible. Just for the record.
3: For I, I don't disagree with that, but I just like the stance they've taken on uh, with Ben Simmons here. For us the reward was worth the risk of having you on
2: and saying something that'll get us in trouble. So thank you, Amal Shaw. Thanks, Amal. Thanks, guys. <laughs> he was going to say something. He's on next with Mike Palmer. Odds On Next, Josh is going to join us. We'll see you.
3: To the Lombardi Line on vsin featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher.
2: If you missed any part of our show today, Lombardi Line, just a reminder Lombardi Line now can be found wherever you find your podcast So, we're thrilled to present it to you that way. But all the shows here at vsin podcasts, of course vsin.com slash podcast. So, whether you're looking for the Lombardi Line or beating the book with Gil Alexander, Market Insights, Josh Applebaum. Hardwood Handicappers, JVT, Follow the Money, My Guys in the Desert, Coast to Coast Hoops, and more. It's all there, vston.com slash podcast. They're all free and available right now, so go check it out, vston.com slash podcast. Uh, Speaking of podcasts, Market Insights is the pod, which can be found there, vston.com slash podcast. The host. Also host betting across America with Pritch is Josh Applebaum. He joins Michael Lombardi and myself now here on the Lombardi line. Uh, we'll start with a market update. Hi, Josh. How are you doing, buddy? We'll start with a little update just overall on wildcard weekend. Let's get started.
1: Yeah, Patrick, Michael, great to be with you and really seeing some interesting line moves here. So a couple of games, just want to throw at Michael, see if any, uh, you know, he agrees with or feels like there's still is value. Uh, and really, you know, going into it, guys, looking at dogs, you know, we kind of lean on dogs throughout the regular season. They had a good year historically, you know, grabbing points and the NFL, a really public sport, kind of going contrarian, does have a lot of value here. But you get to the playoffs and actually dog value really increases. You look at dogs over the last decade, uh, they've been really good. 60 and 50, AT, uh, 60 and 50 overall against the spread. covering the number. So one that we did see continued movement toward, and there really hasn't been any buyback, is the Las Vegas Raiders. A lot of these books opened, you know, minus 6.5 Cincinnati. It got down to 6, and I was saying, okay, I'm going to wait out, see if I can get get the hook again. But now it's down to 5.5, and and actually a few shops are hinting down uh, toward a move toward 5. So really continued movement here toward the Raiders. Uh, A couple other dogs that are kind of on a a, a number 4 right now. Both the Patriots and the Arizona Cardinals, really similar situations where uh, public is on the Rams, public is on the Bills, yet a lot of these books open with both New England and Arizona, you know, getting four, getting four and a half, and the line is kind of creeping back in their favor. So, Michael, we do see these divisional dogs do very well. It's very rare you meet up. Three times in the same year again against the same team, but they are uh, 67% against the spread. Divisional dogs in the playoffs, so I guess Michael, my question is: between those three dogs, the Raiders, the Patriots, and the Arizona Cardinals, any any three of those dogs, uh, you know, keep, uh, get interest from you?
4: Well, they they all do. I mean, they all do. I think it's such an even matchup. I, I think that you know you could make the case for each one of those teams being able to out be the outright winner. Forget about covering. I think we can see it. You know, I think the Buffalo situation, New England has to change what they do defensively. They've got to be become a little bit different. They can't allow Buffalo to control the football. They were one for 10 on third down the last time they played them in New England, which killed them. They couldn't control the football. Cincinnati controlled it against the Raiders. The Raiders need to flip that script. And then the Rams need to not turn the ball over, and Arizona needs to turn the ball over. So I could see it. I'd lean towards probably, I think, Arizona, if they can stop – they can put pressure on Stafford, 27th in the league, and throw in interceptions. I think they have the best chance to create the turnovers.
2: Where, right now, as far as Super Bowl odds are, the Bucks sitting, the defending champs. Josh, where are they sitting now in context with the others?
1: Yeah, so I want to get Michael's take on this as well because I feel like the Bucks are in this spot where they've had a lot of injuries and maybe it's Tom Brady fatigue, but you get to the playoffs and it's like it happens every single year. Why do you bet against Brady? He continues to prove it. Obviously, he's going to have a bit of a tougher, tougher path this year with a bunch of injured guys. But I want to get your take, Michael. You know, we got a lot of these uh, great numbers here from BetMGM right now. Uh, Brady and the Bucks are plus 850 to win the Super Bowl. Uh, third or fourth best odds overall behind the Packers and behind a couple other teams, including the Bills, uh, the Rams here. Also, uh, the Titans are right up there in that number. But if you're looking at these uh, splits here, only 9% of bets on the Bucks, but they're getting almost 15% of the money. So, Michael, how do you kind of uh, handicap Brady's journey to maybe winning another Super Bowl? Is he up against it this year, or is it, hey, 850 with the GOAT? That could be a worthwhile number. <laughs>
4: Well, I mean, look, it's, you know, first of all, last year they got through all this with no fans in the stands. We forget this, right? They were the road team in three games and were able to win those road games with no fans in the stand. There was no real, I mean, maybe there were some, but there wasn't any noise. So that's going to be an issue. And look, Brady's that I think there's no doubt that the Bucks can repeat or get back there, but they have to get healthy first. I mean Pierre they need Pierre Paul on the field. They need Shaq Barrett on the field. Their secondary is beat up. One of the strengths was they were able to stop teams from running the football and now they can't. This will be a challenging week. The first time they played, really, when you watch that game closely, the Bucks dominated the game. They're up twenty eight to seven. The Eagles made this late rally back into the game, but I mean they really didn't run the football and they didn't throw it effectively. However, that wasn't the Eagle offense then, or the Eagle offense na- defense now that we see now. Those are the schemes dramatically changed in Philadelphia, and I think it's going to be a harder game. I mean, you look at what the, the the Panthers ran the football effectively on the Bucks last week, and the week before that, we we saw the Jets run it and almost beat them. So I think a lot of this, to answer your question, I think it's all re- relative to the health of their team, and right now they're just not healthy at all.
2: Well, they are profiting because speaking of profiting you saw the, the clips of Gronk and Brady kind of working in tandem to get him that cash were hilarious michael because I mean, if you think Arians has anything to say on that team, I mean, it's, he. Tom Brady went down there, and was just like, "Yeah, I, I am the Bucks. So you do what you need to do." And he got him the extra yeah. five hundred thousand dollars or whatever it was, and everybody's happy. What a
4: ooh, everybody's happy. What a good man.
2: What a great man. You, Josh, you have updated numbers on these head coaches, don't you?
1: Yeah, this is really interesting to me, guys, because I think as betters, you know, we're really programmed to bet games right in front of our eyes, but there are other ways to make money. As we all know, there's prop bets, you know, different ways you can get down, uh, but really with all these coaching vacancies, I think it creates a lot of value for betters to maybe pinpoint, you know, some good bet first dollar discrepancies, or maybe get down or, or put a unit down on who you think uh, will hire the next head coach and who it will be. So Michael, I'll just throw a lot at you. If any of these pique your interest, let us know Chicago right now. Brian Flores is the favorite to become the Bears next coach. He's a uh, plus one. 160. He's taking in 21% of the tickets, 17% of the money. Uh, surprisingly, Leslie Frazier was a name that jumped out to me at BetMGM. He's plus only he's plus 500, but he's only getting 8% of tickets, but 33% of the money. So, Michael, are you hearing anything about the Bears? It feels like it's Flores, but Fra- Frazier, for some reason, is getting a lot a lot of respect here in terms of bets First Dollars.
4: Well, I think a lot of it's going to come down to Bill Polian. I think it's going to come down to Bill Polian's decision. And I think ultimately, until they get a GM, I don't know if you have a betting favorite right now. I think this whole thing could shift. Uh, You know, Leslie Frazier was the first one in there. He may appeal to them. But I do think it's going to come down to they want to hire a president of football operations who's the GM. And if you want to do that, you can't hire the coach first. Because then all of a sudden you've undermined it all of his authority. So I, I think as due course, you know, I think there's going to be some time if before that, I think they've got to get through these interview process. So.
2: I think we uh, three of us can agree. Flores feels more like a Bears head coach than he does a Miami Dolphin head coach, right? Didn't he grow up yeah. in like the Bronx or Brooklyn? He's, a, he's Brooklyn. He's a Brooklyn. He's, he's kid. He's a yeah. Brooklyn kid, and he's you know he just feels like a kind of. It's cold outside. It's Midwest. It's tough. He feels like Dick Buckus a little bit. Was there? Between he and Ross, and people have their opinions about Ross as, you know, the owner of the Dolphins. Do you feel like there was a genuine divide with he, Ross, and Greer down in Miami, Michael? N-
4: not, I think. I know There was a genuine divide between Greer and, and Flores. So okay. I think there was definitely, that's the case. And I think because the owner wants collaboration, he wants everybody to get along, he didn't want a dictatorship, he made the move and sided with Greer. And that's why it was, but I don't, you know, but I, Brian is a strong minded, you know, he listens, you, you, but you got to be convicted. And if you come in there with loose stuff, he's going to hit it out of the park.
2: If he wanted to go back to New England, I'm guessing they'd welcome him back with open arms, no? No. I would think, you know, I mean, it all
4: depends, like, Matt Patricia's there. You know, he got welcomed back, but there's really not a role on the coaching staff for Matt Patricia. What would the role be for Brian? I think Brian's going to get a head coaching job. I think Brian feels pretty comfortable where he is right now in his career that he's going to get a head coach, and he should get one. I mean, he should. He's been successful. Now, did he do some things probably wrong? I mean, this is the whole Art model theory of, of firing that's going on in the NFL. Steven Ross fires Brian Flores because he does three or four things poorly, right? And he does 50 things really well, okay? But now he's going to f- hire a new coach who does those three things that Flores didn't do well. He's going to hire him because he does. And then he's only going to get plus 25. So now he's in the negative, this is the classic example. They fired him because he didn't really wasn't collaborative. He didn't get along with it. He wasn't singing Kumbaya. I think, it's, I think if you ask a lot of people in that organization that know, they feel like they're going to have a hard time replacing Flores as a coach.
2: And, Josh, Dayball, the OC there with Allen in, in Buffalo, pardon me, it looks like he's going to get a job.
1: He's at the top of most of these lists as far as the odds, right? You're exactly right, Patrick. Yeah, another guy I want to ask Michael about, Brian Dayball. Michael's got a lot of familiarity, coach in New England, was in Al- Al- uh, Alabama, uh, and obviously now is really uh, turned around that Buffalo Bills team offensively. And this is a name you see on a lot of these lists. So Brian Dayball right now, favorite to go to the Dolphins. Uh, he's only getting 8% of tickets, but 46% of money. He's also the favorite to go to the Giants here, uh, plus 350, 30% of bets, but 70% of tickets. So Michael, any intel on Dayball and where he might go and maybe which team he fits better with?
4: You know, I, I I don't have any intel on where he could go. Obviously his name's out there. He's got a good agent. And he's got a, you know, he's able to get some things that certainly it depends on the general manager. If the guy in Buffalo becomes a GM somewhere, I think then Brian will get that job.
2: A team that wants to sling it a lot. Throw the football. That's Dave Ball. Although he's done a hell of a job with Allen and the accuracy as well. Thank you, Josh. Good luck today. Thanks, Market Insights is the pod. Appreciate it, guys. Good okay. luck. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. We come back, got plenty to do as we head into Wild card Weekend. It's huge for us here. It's v the Sports Betting Network.
3: to the lombardi line on v featuring former nfl executive michael lombardi now once again here's patrick maher
2: okay an nba play for you over at betmgm special offer simply place a ten dollar money line wager on any game tonight if either team hits a three-pointer you're going to win 200 bucks paid for in free bets regardless of the bets outcome so again money line wager on a game anybody hits a three you're going to win two hundred dollars for new bettors there at betmgm Plus, you'll earn M Life rewards that can be redeemed for rooms and dining at any MGM resort. BetMGM is proud to be authorized gaming partner of the NBA. Okay, so again, it's Vsin V S I N two hundred to win two hundred dollars in free bets. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. Got to be twenty-one years or older. It's a new customer offer. If you do have an issue, it's one eight hundred Gambler. How is? Um, I meant to ask. Are you still alone? Is Millie still down in Carolina? What's going on there?
4: No, I said we were back. We were back. Oh, no, that was on my pod today. Yeah, she got back on Tuesday. So yeah, so we're all good. Everything's moving right along here. Yeah, we're back in action.
2: The other question I wanted to ask you, you are an author. You are a wordsmith. You're good with words. Do you know what the hell Wordle is? Wordle. You've seen it popping up on social. I I do not. I I figured you might be into it because you are so good with words. It's this thing that, have you heard of it, Matt Santos, Wordle? Michael, after the show, look up Wordle. It's the new obsession, and it has to do with words. I I, I wanted to throw that by you. I thought you might even already be knee-deep in it. Um, Mm -mm. Before we get it back into the games, a a note a friend asked me to ask you, is Michael into any new series right now? Series, whether it be, Um, are you just watching football?
4: No, I'm really excited to start on Yellowstone. I, I mean, I've watched two seasons of Yellowstone or three. I'm not sure which one. But I'm looking forward to starting the, the, the season that just came out. I haven't caught up with it. I caught up on Succession. I watched The Center and now I'm ready to do that. I've been, I've been, when Millie was gone, I was watching a bunch of documentaries on World War II. It was fascinating. It was really good. In, that, in, do, in color. I just finished it.
2: And the, yeah, on Netflix, was great, wasn't World wasn't War Two Uncovered. Oh my gosh, that was exemplary. It was that
4: was incredible. Yeah, it was really good. And, and then there's a documentary on this spy. That's I've been reading so many books on the Kennedy assassination lately that 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 it's um, you know in Kennedy's foreign policy based on the Oliver Stone Looking Through Looking Glass movie. So I, I've been consumed in that and, that. and then there's a documentary that's in subtitles that I got to get to on that.
2: Look, I, your generation was a little closer to not not putting you there at World War 2 but as no. you're as you're watching that and I think it was an eight part series which I just finished I enjoyed it immensely as you're watching it Aren't you thinking the whole time, I can't believe this is real? There's no way yeah, this no, actually I- happened. There's no freaking and they had footage I had never seen before, and I gobble up any oh, of those World War II docs. There was footage I that am- was insane. I-,
4: I admire every face I see in that video yep. because I would have had to wear brown pants because I would have been scared. You know what? <laughs> I mean, I would have been scared out of my mind. I mean, I marvel at the at the at the ability of of those, all of those. You know, even the correspondents, the nurses. But everyone. the resistance
2: fighters in front. France when they just said, we'll take our city back.
4: Yeah. Uh, Oh, that was incredible. That was really incredible. And those people, the people that, 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 that stayed and fought and, you know, it was really powerful. No, it's, it's, it it is, you know, that, that's why I think what's missing a little bit in the NFL is the, the, the. Because we have, as, as what Dean P said in that video, there's so many people that have just drawing plays and they're in this analytics that the experience, and I don't want to sound like an old stuffy guy, but there's a, there's a value to experience
2: mm-hmm.
4: that, that making mistakes will help you. Like all this process of these interviews for these GM jobs or the coaching jobs, they, they don't really want people that made mistakes. Whereas, like, look at Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn... Made mistakes in Atlanta, recognized it, fixed it,
2: and made himself better for Dallas. That's the kind of guy you want to hire. Yeah. He's going to, it looks like he's going to get a job. Whether, is he De- going to get the, I mean, I think he's going to get the Den- job. I don't
4: even know if the Denver number, I, I tweeted it yesterday. I had the wrong odds on it, you know, forgive me, but I, I don't know if it's still on the board anymore.
2: So it looks like, is, does he have a relationship with Patton, who is? Yeah, the, they do. They're the, friends. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. And, and he's exactly what they want in Denver. He's
4: exactly they want somebody to come in with energy, enthusiasm, you know, somebody to kind of uplift the organization, lead the organization, not just coach one side of the ball like, like Vic did.
2: By the way, the irony of us coming back to Denver with Patton being the general manager when we were talking World War II, we did not <laughs> plan that, people. Um, yeah. So, okay, good. There's a relation. Quinn did a hell of a ge- Quinn is – I think Quinn is a de- – I think everybody loves him because he's Mr. Quotes and he's positive. But he did a good job in Atlanta. So you can't can't really hate on that. And he'll learn something. Like I, I he said, I don't think he
4: was. I don't think he was as in symmetry with the personnel as, as he wanted to be. Think this with if he goes with George, that will happen. But his enthusiasm and excitement is very Pete Carrollish. Yeah. But I think he changed the way he's doing defense. He's changed the way he wants to play defense. He wants to attack defense, and I think all those things will really help him in his next job. I think it'll help Denver. I mean, Denver's going to go through an ownership change. We know that probably happened right after the draft, if not sooner. It's going to be worth a lot of money. And and, and I think you'll see, you know, that the, the, they know they need to get a quarterback. I mean, there's no secret. that, the, Even though people have Locke played better in the last game, well, you know, so. Locke isn't really going to be there. So, you know, they've got to get a quarterback. They're one of those teams that need one.
2: It, the, the the one thing I saw about Quinn that, you know, kind of points to the character, Callan um excuse me – why, why can't I think of the boys' state Yeah, excuse me. He, he was being interviewed by Jacksonville, and he pointed to Quinn. Quinn, he, Quinn was the guy preparing him for the interview, which kind of shows you the yeah. character of Quinn. Uh, yeah, I uh, mean, I yeah, yeah I would think he
4: would that. need a lot. I think he would need a lot of help for the interview. I mean, because I think Kellen's probably just a play caller right now.
2: Yeah, Kellen Moore. I'd be shocked if he got a, he, and he's still. It's still in his 30s. Um, not that it hasn't happened before. Okay, this news coming down. Remember Juju in October dislocated that shoulder, went to the IR. He's now been taken off the IR, designated to return from it, and is suddenly practicing. I don't know if it changes anything. We didn't want to see Pittsburgh in the postseason, and they're catching 12-and-a-half the late game on Sunday in Kansas City. But, that, I mean, he is their I, I guess, supposed number one wide receiver, so that might be a little bit of a jolt for them if he, they get him back.
4: Right. I mean, but somebody starts to get him the ball. I mean, th- there goes the problem.
2: <laughs> he is um, – it- it's even the quotes coming from Ben about this. It's like you know we have it's nothing in it, 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 but it yeah, almost well, seems defeatist the way that he's yeah. Presenting well, he
4: knows it. he knows what he knows. I mean, Ben knows more than I mean. Ben's Ben's watch Ben good, Ben's watch bad. I mean, it's like when you look at yourself in the mirror. Oh, I lost weight. I gained. You can tell now. You can lie to yourself, but you can also tell right. And so I think that Ben knows he he doesn't have it. He does not have a fastball anymore. He knows it. It's, you know, and, 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 but he's competitive and he's trying. I mean, he's won games remarkably. I mean, remarkably.
2: Yeah. Ben's ben stepping on the scale with one eye closed and one eye open, trying to see the number but not quite see the number. That's what he's doing with that diet right now. He just can't push the ball down the field. They can't stretch it at all.
4: And he don't want to hold it anymore. He don't want to hold it. You know, he wants it out of his hand. I mean, and, you know, he doesn't really warm up until the fourth quarter. I mean, he scored 27 points in the fourth quarter. I mean, think about it. The, the, game, is, the game is 27 to 10 at the Chargers. You remember that Sunday night game? And all of a sudden, they scored 20, almost came back in and won that game. Chargers gave up 37, by the way, that day. How was that defense for you?
2: The interesting thing as well with Najee Harris is when everything's so close to the line of scrimmage, not really sure if we got a really good idea of what he's going to be. I mean, they used the usage was way up for the running back, the rookie. But was he really put in an optimal spot, a spot with the quarterback not being able to do anything?
4: You know, I keep focusing on Ben, but this offensive line isn't very good, you know, and they've struggled through the season, and they've kind of gotten through it, and that's going to show up, I think, in Kansas City. It shows up on the road. Remember, bad lines don't travel. You say, well, they beat Baltimore in Baltimore. Well, Baltimore's a wounded team. Baltimore's a wounded duck. I mean, they, they, had, they were running on – they were Jackson Brown. They were running on empty at the end of the season. They had nothing, nothing. And they were fortunate to get through. You know, they lost six straight, and they had no offense, no defense. So, you know, I mean, that win on the road, although it looks good, it really wasn't, you know, let's be honest. I mean, that Baltimore was a shell of a team at that point.
2: Are you open to the petition that Matt Santos has started? Uh, he wants to get one of those Sunday games moved to tomorrow night. So Friday, <laughs> Saturday, Sunday with the two, and then one on Monday. Would you be cool with that? I, I,
4: I don't like the Friday. I love the Saturday night. I'm not a big Friday guy. Friday night football, like, that doesn't seem right. I like Saturday. I like Sunday. And then the Monday night, I'm okay with it. I'm okay. I, I really like Saturday night games once the college season's over. I yeah. like that. I, I really enjoy that. That Saturday afternoon, 430 to 8, those two games, because we can all see it. We Everybody gets to watch a lot of the games, and it cuts down on how many my man has to cover on the red zone and I have to plug my ears. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later.
2: But by the way, the Saturday games, Outside of the Monday night game, those may be my two favorite. Like, I'm excited to see Cincy. I'm excited to see New England and Buffalo. There's yeah. no, those two Saturday games. I, are
4: I awesome. think there's no doubt, and it's a whole. You know, especially when you're when you're here in the East Coast, it's cold. It's just the perfect. You don't want to leave the house, and why not watch football and start a fire?
2: Doesn't get much better than that. <laughs> no, All right, Michael. We'll see you tomorrow. Okay, enjoy see your Thursday. See you tomorrow, Thursday. Patrick. Thank okay. thank you. M Lombardi NFL. You want to check them out there, of course. And odds on. So you saw Mal Shaw earlier. He's fired up. He's ready to go with Mike Palm. They're coming up next right here on vSIN, the Sports Betting Network. We'll see you tomorrow here on the Lombardi Line.